Hello and welcome to Farscape Friday, episode 81. I'm Kay, here with my co-host Taz. Hey there. Today we'll be discussing the 15th episode of season 4, Mental as Anything. Let's get started. Welcome back. Here's a quick summary of Mental as Anything. The men of Moya have awakened to themselves as they undergo a Scorpy-suggested mind training. When Macton, the man who killed Dargo's wife, shows up, Dargo has to face his past. Meanwhile, John has an intense heat training that will help him resist scare and mind control. A Dargo episode that takes place at mind training camp, uh, which is already a little bit I don't know, out there. And then where the story is about what really happened with the murder of Dargo's wife, Lolan, who we first learned about in way back in season one, I think, with mm -hmm. uh, they, They've Got a Secret. Um, and it's the crime he was in prison for, which was his wife's murder, which Dargo has always maintained was that he was framed by his brother-in-law, Macton, who, dun, 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 shows up at the exact same mind training camp that they are at in the tormented <laughs> space. And I think that's probably the one thing that's the hardest for me to, like, buy, like, this huge coincidence of how they actually get the two of them together in this one place where kind of trapped with the training camp and... It's they can't leave until the training's complete, so they're kind of in this uh, what's it called, like a box that they're they're stuck together to, until this is resolved. Mm -hmm. But that said, I think it is a really good character study of Dargo and his personal growth through the series. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I think it wasn't supposed to be like, oh, and and Macton's here, like like Macton <laughs> was also going to mine training camp. I think it was supposed to be like Macton tracked them down. Which now that okay. you've pointed out about, like now that you've pointed out, because because Macton has this whole thing about the only reason he's there is to trap Dargo in his mind in a coma, mm -hmm. you know. But then the more I think about it, the more it makes less sense because I'm like. <laughs> Graza can't even track them down and she is cold as F, you know what I mean? <laughs> and really, really wants to find them and has like huge resources at her disposal. Yeah, there is a later conversation where I think I think it's between Rigel and, and Dargo where he mentions that he was, you know, at the end of season three, he'd gotten Macton's location mm -hmm. um, from the Peacekeepers as part of the deal with Scorpius. And he went to find him and to kill him and have his revenge and all that. But apparently he decided to stop. And we'll play that quote, I think, a little bit later because I like, I like the conversation between him and Rigel. So there might be some like, oh, he told Macton where he was or Macton through that connection might be where they're coming from mm -hmm. of how he tracked Dargo down. Or maybe Macton left the peacekeepers and went all Zalek soon and was single-mindedly focused on finding them, you know? Yeah, yeah. So something along those lines. I think the coincidence premise is the hardest part of this episode for me to kind of like wrap my head around, which given that the show does this sort of thing all the time or doesn't <laughs> do it all the time, but you know, there's so much that's just like, oh, they just happen to be doing this thing here, which is, it's fiction, right? The fiction does that. Yeah. But this one was a bit of a stretch. Yeah. I think that I liked this episode a whole heck of a lot, except mm -hmm. That towards the end, I kept being like, okay, because a few episodes ago, I think it was Coup by Clam. I kind of, it was after Coup by Clam. It was in my post game analysis of Coup by Clam that I realized I'm going to stop saying that things are out of character. Because if I am yeah. treating Farscape like it's, it's 
like author is dead, then mm-hmm. I'm just going to say that anything that happens on screen is in character because that's the definition of in character. <laughs> it's right, happened on screen. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But at the same time, I kept finding myself saying at the very end of this episode, I wish they hadn't done this to his character. To Dargo's character? Yeah, to Dargo's character. Yeah. And I'm going to spoil a little bit here, although it is a question, because it's did Dargo, you know, beat Lolan during his hyper rage? And I think the show kind of comes down on the side of, yes, he did. And I just wish they hadn't done that to his character, one. And then Mm -hmm. two, I think it reinforces this narrative that I am incredibly uncomfortable with. And I don't think the show realizes as it's it's doing, which is the, if you stay with him, he will change. And Mm -hmm. the stay with the guy that's beating you because he really loves you. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's not a good narrative to reinforce. Yeah. So, yeah. So this episode definitely deals with the theme of domestic violence. And I think that's one reason I found it uncomfortable to watch for like the first, I don't know, two thirds of it or even the whole thing. But like all the way up to like the very, very end, it was just like this really uncomfortable, unpleasant watching experience as an audience person, not only because it's dealing with domestic violence. And as that exact thing that you just said, it's okay if he hits me because he loves me. And he doesn't mean to do it intentionally because it's this biological hyper rage thing. But also because it's a mind game. And this is, I think this is what's really uncomfortable with this episode. It's not an alien mind game that's happening right now. This Mm -hmm. is a classic human manipulation memory. Somebody is trying, Macton is trying to gaslight Dargo into believing, no, your version of events is completely wrong. I know what really happened. And I'm going to try and convince you that it happened the way I said Mm -hmm. it did. Which, as we find out through the course of the episode and at the end, he's Macton is lying. And we'll get there. It feels very uncomfortable because it's very real. You know, memory in humans is fallible. Like they've done studies that witnesses doing uh, testimony in courts, they'll Mm -hmm. make up memories that they really believe happened because there's this narrative that you can create and it becomes reality to you. Oh, yeah. So I think that's the other, that's the part that really struck me about it. Yeah, it's kind of like the Dargo's been in prison for this for decades. I mean, not decades. I think it was like eight years or something. He was in prison for yeah. a long time for it. Eight cycles, yeah. And so, of course, he has this narrative in his head that Macton did it. I'm falsely imprisoned. I'm going to get out and kill him. And people are going to believe whatever they're going to believe. For me, it was that it's such a, a human, very direct consequences thing that happens in real life. And, you know, all that mm-hmm. doubt that comes with somebody, even though you know that they're wrong or you, you know, you feel so strongly that they are actually lying to you because they have motivation to lie to you. Mm-hmm. They're still they sow the doubt into your head. And actually, I want to play the first clip, which is where Macton, um, Macton has walked in and Dargo has like attacked him in the room as soon as he came. They're in there like doing their orientation with with uh, Katoya, who is the, the master mind teacher here. And Macton is provoking Dargo with his presence and with what he's saying is like, hey, I came to tell the truth about about your wife. So he gets John downstairs in the in the bunk room a little bit later. And here's their conversation. What the hell are you doing here? Responding to Dargo's death threats. He said he was coming for me. Oh. See, I was just wondering why you followed me to the bathroom. I don't want to kill Dargo, 
but I won't allow him to kill me to conceal what he did. He killed his wife. No. You killed your sister. Dargo murdered Lolan in a fit of hyperage. Do you know what Luxon hyperage is? Yes, I do. You, you know what a crock is? Dargo says he didn't do it. That's good enough for me. You don't understand. He may not know what he did. Right. Eight cycles and change just soop, slips his mind. You do know that Luxon hyperage causes blackouts. Is that a fact? Yes. And any honest Luxon can tell you that. So we have Macton being so reasonable here. I don't want to hurt Dargo. I'm just going to make sure he continues to pay for the crime that he committed. And, you know, hyper rage, he might not have been in control of his body. He might have been out of control. And there is a reasonable explanation for, yes, Dargo may have hit Lola if he in hyper rage and he didn't know it. And that's Macton's story. And you can see the moment where John is being stand up for Dargo and then that little tidbit at the end and John has this little bit of doubt. And he doesn't want to admit it to Dargo later on when he comes back upstairs and sits next to Dargo again. But Dargo pushes and pushes wanting to know what Macton said until finally John gives in and says, hey, the blackout thing. And Dargo is like, oh, yeah, that is a possibility. And it's just mm -hmm. this, like, ugh. And it's such a... I, this is what the other reason this, this episode was hard to watch for me is because Macton is so oily about it all, you know? Mm -hmm. And you, like, it's not just, like, wanting to hate him. It's, like, it's, you know that personality, that person who's wrong, but they're going to get away with it. Yeah. And I think this is what you were pointing out with the later Dargo and Rigel conversation, where when I was initially watching this episode, I took I'm responding to Dargo's death threats as Macton is responding to Dargo threatening to kill him like five minutes ago in the other room. But now I'm realizing I think he tracked Dargo down because mm -hmm. Dargo has been sending him death threats since now he <laughs> knew where Macton was. And I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense now, you know? Yeah, I actually had not thought of that. But now that you point that out, that is actually a really good, good explanation for why he's, he's come. And I think I had that same confusion that you did, where it's like, Dargo just threatened him and tried to throttle him in front of all these people. And then, of course, he's responding to that. But yeah, I think that's a good explanation for why he showed up. Yeah. And the other thing I want to point out here is that even though John has this slight, slight niggling doubt now because John has seen Dargo in a hyper rage, I think at least a couple times. And yeah. you know he, he hid from from Dargo in a hyper rage in what was it? Thank, Thank God. God it's Friday again. Mm -hmm. And I think also Jeremiah Crichton, there was a hyper rage involved with when him leaving. Or is I, him just No, that was him being in a snit. Never mind. Yeah, that was just John being pissy. <laughs> John going into <laughs> his own human version of a hyper rage. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, I think John has this slight, slight niggling doubt. But at the same time, when he comes back up and he's talking to Dargo, he's kind of saying, I'm here for you. You know, mm -hmm. let's get through this and then we'll deal with Macton and I'm going to back your play no matter what your play is. Like, you want to murder this guy in cold blood? I'm here for you. I will hold the towel. You know? <laughs> and yes. that's what I really love is I think that that's what I love yeah. the, between this season and last season is that their friendship at this point is so strong. You know, it really reminds me of like the really good episodes from season two where like they're they're just backing each other's plays no matter what they think of them. Mm hmm. Yeah, for sure. And and even Rigel is is all in for Dargo on this. 
I mean, he says, let's run away and leave. The peacekeepers are found us. And so he's all for like bailing and getting as far away from Macden as possible, which is a reasonable reaction, I think. Um, Scorpius is the one who insists that they have to stay and see this mind training through. But yeah, there's very much the sense of like these guys, Rigel included in this with Dargo and John, you know, being a team on this on being on team Dargo together. Yeah, actually, it's skipping ahead a tiny bit, but I want to play Dargo and Rigel having a really good conversation. And this is the Rigel that like tortured a Cherid to death. You know, this is the (laughs) Rigel that fed the doctor clams in Kubai clam. And this is this is a Rigel I like. Macton is lying. How do you know? Because he's a peacekeeper. Because he has to be. Look, he's trying to get to you, and it's working. Oh, I and I were happy together. He can't change that. I won't let him. He's definitely getting to you. I should have killed him. Isn't that what you set out to do when we all left Moya? Part of me knew that wouldn't bring Lilam back. Another part couldn't resist letting him know that I knew exactly where he was. Pay attention to the part that wants to kill him. He's given you a second chance to take your revenge. I'm not sure I want to. For yuck's sake, kill him and be done with it. I like Rigel still having his eye on the ball here. Of like, you know, he's a problem. He killed your wife. That's all you need to know. Just go kill him. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Rigel the mob boss making the return, right? (laughs) Yeah. This is Rigel with Durka's head on a pike. It is. It really is. And a small note about Rigel. So, and the world building. So they're at this uh, mine training camp run by Katoya. So also in their little class is like a Cherid and somebody else. And I think there's like one other person. Anyway, there's a couple other people. And so Rigel wants to have a go at the Cherid in the VR. So the, I don't know if it's called the virtual reality, but it's a basically a virtual reality simulation mm-hmm. to get in these chairs. And then in this mental arena, they, they, at least with one exercise that they're doing, they're throwing a hot ball of fire at each other, essentially. Mm-hmm. And you're supposed to catch it and use your mental energy to strike at the other person. And so Rigel has just gone up. He demands to go up against the Cherid because of his hatred of all Cherids who, you know, decimated the Hynerian Empire at one point in their history. So he goes through a really tough bout where he looks like he's in real trouble and in real trouble. And then finally he defeats the Cherid, but he comes out of it like, shaking cold and sick and Dargo's like carrying him down the stairs and he and John were yelling at Katoya for letting the bout go on too long and putting Rigel in danger and it's just it makes my heart warm every time the crew is like coming to Rigel's support Mm -hmm. because he's been such the you know the persnickety outside greedy grubby person who's betrayed them and (laughs) they don't have a whole lot of respect for but at the same time there's like hey he's still one of us Mm mm-hmm yeah, it it really was a an interesting moment because this whole mind training camp is supposed to be about using self-control and both Rigel and Scorpius, when they're in this virtual reality world, they use anger instead of self-control to their detriment. You know, like mm-hmm. they both, even though they both don't lose, I think Scorpius loses, as I remember. He's the demonstration against Kotoya, the master. And so he, he manages to get the ball back, the fireball back to him, but then Kotoya pulls him forward and and he gets struck by it in reverse. Yeah. He strikes it. Yeah. And so it's kind of 
both of them are, are relying on anger, which is incredibly in character because Rigel survived for, you know, 200 cycles or something on anger alone, on anger <laughs> and, you know, intelligence. And so this whole this whole training camp is about moving away from anger and moving towards self-control and moving towards, you know, using your mind. I don't know. It's it's a little bit hand wavy. <laughs> Yeah, but it's really interesting to put that way because one of the early conversations that Dargo has with Kotoya is is about his control, mm-hmm. and uh, I want to play it. So Dargo has just had a gone into the VR on his own, and he's fighting, not fighting. He's trying to get through basically like laser lines, like you see in heist movies. Mm-hmm. That but these actually hit you and and hurt you, and so he ends up in the middle of at the end of the exercise, being unable to control his frustration and anger, and goes into what looks like hyper rage in the middle of the VR before he's pulled out of it, and so he is really upset afterwards and he's down in the bunk room with Katoya afterwards I'm leaving that won't provide you with the answers you seek what answers what questions look I'm not playing any more of your stupid games and I do not need to be reminded of my mental limitations if I stay here I will kill Matton I will kill this man See? You can't control your anger. You have no limitations. This was a conversation that really made me like Katoya as a character mm-hmm. and his role here. We learn a little bit later that he originally trained Scorpius. So when Scorpius was a young man. So he's been around for a long time doing this, presumably with like kids or people who are coming for training like Mm -hmm. all the time. And so I feel like he is somebody who has a really vast depth of experience with dealing with these people. And I think it shows in the scene when he's like, he's very calm in the face of Dargo's anger about it. And, you know, he says, look, you do have control when Dargo does manage to to calm himself down. And, And then that like, the possibilities are limitless. And I, I don't know, that just really struck me as something of a good mentor would say mm-hmm. about this. It's like, he can't show you how to control your anger in, t- without your own, you know, wanting to do it and mm-hmm. putting yourself out there first. And I feel like he's responding to that in a really good way. Yeah, it's I, I liked Katoya throughout this whole episode. I thought that for an alien of the week, he kind of ended up getting a short shrift at the end, which we'll get into, but I really liked him. And the depth of his history with Scorpius, like, at, you know, towards the end of the episode, Scorpius is kind of like, well, I could have put you in my Aurora chair. And Katoya's like, I wouldn't, you wouldn't have gotten me in the Aurora chair. Like, he's <laughs> like, you know, I would have, you know, your Aurora chair wouldn't have succeeded with me. And it's kind of, I just like that self-confidence because it does remind you kind of of like a great master, you know, of like martial mm-hmm. arts or Buddhism. And and plus, I like this with Dargo because, you know, he's pushing Dargo, but not in a way that's bad for Dargo. You know, this mm-hmm. isn't that old black magic where the other guy is pushing Zan towards her darker impulses. This is yeah. somebody pushing Dargo and kind of saying, you already have control. You need to accept that you have control. Yeah. You, you are stronger than you think you are. And I really like that sentiment here. Mm-hmm. And the other interesting thing he says here is, what is the question that you want to know the answer to? Mm-hmm. And that comes up in a later conversation between them. But before we get to that, 
I want to go to John a little bit because John is like not having any of it. He does not want to get into the arena. He he even mentions I've had so many things in my head. There's no way I'm doing that. So he ends up back in remedial training. And I do you remember the catalyst for that? It's because he's yelling at Katoya um Katoya after Rigel was in the ring right. and Katoya actually pushes him down the stairs mentally, which I'm like, "Ow." <laughs> <laughs> Right. That's right. So John goes into remedial training, which is him being locked in a small cage. He can stand up in it and sit in it. And it's a grill work. And on the floor is uh, not the entire floor, but like a section of the floor has coals underneath it, hot coals. Mm -hmm. And there's a grill there that has wider, you know, big enough to stick your hands around the bars, but not so big you can get your hand through. There are some larger holes in the grill work. And then, you know, people are walking on the floor above him, says Sunset. And it's really hot in there, and he's not really appreciating it. (laughs) And Scorpius comes over and says, do you realize this is Scarin training? You have to be able to withstand the heat and be able to think when it's hot, because the Scarins are going to use their heat against you. And, (laughs) And I don't know, they just have this back and forth being like really... Scorpius being really focused on John being able to resist the Scarens, and they also came over here because they want to find out what the Screeth was because neither mm-hmm. no one Scorpius didn't know what it was, and they Graza is after him too. So there's all this kind of things, and Scorpius I think at one point even says like you know I won't let wormhole information fall into Graza's hands even if it means killing you. So John is there, and the way his training is going is Katoya is dropping a key, or I think a machine is dropping a key mm-hmm. that's going to fall straight through the grill in the top into the grill in the coals. And John has to, you know, risk burning himself in order to get the key. And of course, he does not want to burn himself. It hurts. It's hot. It's getting hotter in there because he's sitting next to a fire. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what his trial is. And that's, John basically spends the rest of the episode in the cage. Yeah. I think what was interesting for me about this is that, okay, it's effective training of like what you're going to do if it gets really hot, but it also didn't seem as in-depth as like other training because he doesn't, Mm -hmm. he doesn't actually go crazy. He doesn't actually, you know, experience any real growth. It's just kind of how far are you willing to go in the heat eventually becomes the question because the way he gets Mm -hmm. out eventually is that he burns his hands by picking up the grate in the floor and then grabbing the key in the coals, which, you know, so clearly his hands are completely destroyed by this. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of like, okay, but John already knew he would gnaw his own arm off in the right situation. Yeah. But I think the other thing this serves from a storytelling point of view is it kind of gets John out of the way Mm -hmm. of Dargo's story. And I think that is a good thing. And also it lets... You know, John and Scorpius have a talk about Scarens for exposition. <laughs> and actually, it does end up having one of the better, one of the best conversations, I think, in the episode, which is so at this point, Dargo has confronted Macton and kind of been like, you killed your sister. Stop trying to mess with my head. And Macton is like, you used to beat her. Mm-hmm. And um, Dargo is like, no, I didn't. She told me she would tell me if I beat her. And he's like... You used to beat her. And so then Dargo kind of ends up losing it and he goes and he's strangling Macton and then he flashes and he's and, it, and in his mind, he has his hands on Lolan. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what makes him use his self-control, which actually seems to surprise Macton. I think Macton mm-hmm. kind of wanted Dargo to lose it and kill him so that then his crewmates would know that Dargo was murderous. But I'm like, 
Yeah. Dude, they're like space hobo pirates. They've seen <laughs> each other kill a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they but remember the the stakes for Macton are different. He's I feel like selling himself on his own story as much as Dargo. Mm. That's a good way of putting it. So now that they've had this confrontation, Dargo is kind of realizing that he really does want to know, did I hit and kill Lolan? And he's really struggling with this. And he goes and he talks to John. And it's so funny because I think it must be a, a machine dropping this key. Because yeah. like, it's like Katoya seems to drop the first one. But then right. like when Scorpius, like the... The key drops and then Scorpius shows up and he and John have this conversation. And then the key <laughs> drops and Dargo shows up and he and John have this conversation. And I'm sitting there and my husband and I were like, it must be something else dropping it. Because I can't see Dargo just like dropping a key into the fire to torture John. <laughs> yeah, that, my take on it was that it was like a randomized box opening dropping a key periodically down because <laughs> John is supposed to be paying attention while he's dehydrated and hot. But anyway, here's the conversation. Here, I bought you something to drink. Thanks. Listen, John. This is really doing my head in. I've been thinking about killing Macton for half my life. That's a hell of a thing, man. Look, you get me out of here, I'll kill him for you, all right? No, no, I can kill him for as long as I've wanted to, but... Uh, what if Lolan lied? If she lied about the blackouts, then perhaps without knowing or remembering... I hit my wife. Don't go there. That's Macton talking. I am there, John, if that's possible. And more. Targo, many things are possible. And Macton is just filling you with possibilities. Well, I'll land dead. And that's what matters. Whatever she did, she did for you. That's what's important. And that means something. That means that it's possible I killed the woman who loved me more than life. So, yeah. I just, what really strikes me about that is when John says, you know, don't go there. That's Macton talking. And, and Dargo is like, I'm already there. And that's how doubt works, you know? Mm -hmm. It just gets in your head. And then you're like, dude, these people really think that I did this or did I really do this? It's so insidious and there's really no good defense against it. Mm -hmm. And I think that is what's so heartbreaking about this conversation is Dargo realizing that, yeah, there was indeed real possibility that I hurt her and she loved me so much that she lied about it. And from the in-story world of like the, the specific, the two of them, you know, the, the land did go into her marriage knowing that Hyperrages were a possibility. They're part of Luxon biology. Physiology is what they say. Where it takes many cycles for Luxons to learn how to control them. And so that's why most Luxons are not allowed to marry young. Because of the potential for hurting their spouse. And it's just so heartbreaking to hear Dargo kind of being like fatalist about it. You know, like, I think this must have happened. And it's just sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... <sighs> I don't know. I think that I just wish they hadn't done this to his character. And that's all I think mm -hmm. I want to say about it. Because again, it's kind of this. And the rest of the episode, pretty much from this point on, is like, about the guy that beat his wife. And I'm not saying it's Dargo's. I'm not saying it's Dargo's fault. Because clearly, it's like, 
you know, it's like the things you do when you're a teenager. Like Mm -hmm. some kids are totally fine when they're teenagers and they never lash out. But most of us said some pretty awful things to people that we loved when we were teenagers because we were little brats and because Mm -hmm. you've got a whole bunch of hormones and you're just not a, you know, you're not like a stable human being yet. (laughs) You're not a, you're not a full grown human being yet. And so I'm not saying it's his fault, but I'm also saying that something about this makes me unhappy. And I think it's the fact that we're supposed to sympathize with the guy beating his wife. And that also it makes Macton, even though he, it, I mean, spoiler, Macton did kill his sister. So it's kind of like, okay, dude, you did do this thing and you were actually racist. Like that was part of your issue with Dargo. But at the same time, it's like, if you saw somebody beating your sister repeatedly and they were significantly stronger than your sister, wouldn't you want your sister out of that situation? Yeah, for sure. And I think that's what I was uncomfortable with too about it. Watching, as I said, the first two thirds of this episode was just really tough because we are coming at it from that position of this is a marriage that is, there is something not okay about it, no matter how much you love the other person, you know? Yeah. And again, it kind of, I think we're going to get into it because I want to, I want to talk through some stuff and then I want to play the next quote. But again, this, I think this reinforces a really ugly narrative that TV does a lot. Mm -hmm. So Dargo decides that he, he really needs to know what's going on and what happened. And he asks Katoya to help him. And so Katoya is like, okay, we'll go into the VR, but you know, you might not like what you're going to see. And Dargo's like, well, I just, I have to know. Mm -hmm. And the the specific words that Dargo uses, I going back to that point about the the question, what is the question that Dargo needs answered? And he finally has that question and it's what kind of monster am I? Mm -hmm. So here is Dargo and Katoya in the VR arena. This need not be difficult. But it probably will be. Where do we start? What would you like to see? I, uh... I don't want to see that. Stay focused. I realize this is difficult. I know this upsets you. Setting yourself over nothing. Dago? Dago! Can you hear me? Hyper rage is a natural function of Luxon physiology. But it's a function to be controlled, not flaunted. Not to be used against someone you love. Can you hear me? Did you use it against her? I don't know. But you want to know. Can you hear me? No. But you came here to know. Can you hear me? You never hurt me, Dago. 
Tell me. So this again goes back to this this narrative of if you love him enough, he'll change and you should it's okay that he hits me because he loves me. And it's like, I I don't know, something about that makes me uncomfortable because it's not Dargo consciously getting really mad and, and abusing his wife. But at the same time, it still reinforces that narrative because that's literally what Lolan is saying. Like, I Mm -hmm. love you. You know, and then she's not telling him, even though he was like, this is a very real possibility. I'm really afraid of this because I love you and I don't want to harm you. So you have to tell me. And then she doesn't tell him. It's it's really complicated, but it still fits in with that narrative, I think. And I think that Mm -hmm. that's what I'm uncomfortable with. Like if it was something else, like if he was going around destroying their house or something, when he was angry or, you know, doing something else, I think that it wouldn't make me as uncomfortable as the idea of him hitting his wife. I, I don't know. I think yeah. that that's just such a red button issue. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. One of the things that made me think of well, as I was watching the episode is people with PTSD mm-hmm. who are in uh, relationships with people who can accidentally lash out. And it's the same sort of thing. It's not like their conscious control is they're like, it's not necessarily necessarily i mean i'm sure there's a range of responses but it's not always necessarily under their conscious control to they're not intending to hurt their spouse but those are consequences for that and the thing about it is as a person you you have the right with your spouse to feel safe enough to be with them yeah it is a hot red button issue for that and i think that's one of the things that's really tough about this episode too and especially because i was Mm -hmm. we like dargo as a character we don't want this to be true about him and i was actually thinking about the comment we got from kubai clam it's the same sort of thing with that episode Mm -hmm. when we were talking about it in our in our podcast we were like we don't want john to be a sexist asshole and that's what he's being right now with the whole dressing up and feminization thing and but you know we're excusing behavior that Mm -hmm. we want to because we like the person and i think Right here, we want to be able to excuse Dargo and say, oh, it wasn't his fault. Lolan didn't actually mind that he he accidentally hurt her because she loved him so much. And it's the excusing of that behavior because of that. It sits uncomfortably with me just because, you know, no one is one thing completely. No one's completely or many people are not completely one thing or the other. They're not like all vicious or all pristine good everyone most people have this mix between them and this one is with dargo that he hit low lion is a really of dark things to have in your past that's a really dark one you know yeah and i think the other thing that makes me really uncomfortable about this is that jothy was really young at this point and if you're hitting if you're hitting your spouse when you're blacking out, then you might hit your child. And I we never mm-hmm. get that. That's never canon because Jothy doesn't even appear in this episode. Yeah. So, But at the same time, I don't know. It just makes me really uncomfortable. And then the other thing is that then this whole episode becomes about Dargo's pain. So it's like the pain of the abuser rather than mm-hmm. what his wife was going through. And also, I, d- I just logistically, I had a hard time with it because I'm like, 
Luxans are a lot stronger than Sebations. And Macton is like, look at this bruise. Look at this. I mean, later on, he's like, Mm -hmm. you know, showing the bruises. And at the same time, I'm like, how would you not notice that? And also in his flashback, he whacks her in the face. I'm like, how did you not wake up from your hyper rage and see like the giant bruise on her face? You know, so like logistically, that was some of my problems with it is that I'm like, you you sleep with her. How did you not notice <laughs> that she was bruised all over? Yeah. Yeah. And the only hand, my usual hand wavy explanation for some of those things, more advanced healing, quicker mm-hmm. healing balm, stuff like that. But it's a very good point. Like there's probably going to be more signs than that. And so that's actually a good counterpoint question is if there weren't signs like that, then was it as bad as Dargo fears in this flashback? Because this is all coming from him at this mm-hmm. moment. You know, I mean, I do agree that it, the implication is that he did hurt her, but she didn't want to tell him about it. But at the same time, it's like if he wasn't noticing those signs, mm-hmm. was it as bad? Should we interpret it that way? Or is it just kind of a failing of television as a medium? Yeah. Or was it like a one time thing? Like, right. One time he hit her, you know, yeah. and I'm like, and again, that's not an excuse. And if you are in a situation where you're where you're you know, intimate partner is hitting you or, you know, is is abusing you in any way, you need to get out, period. End of For story. Sure. Yeah. But at the same time, is it kind of like one of those things where it's like, usually she's like, oh, he's in a hyper rage, I'm going to leave. And then one time she didn't, you know, mm-hmm. or is it a thing of like, this is something that was occurring regularly. And because... The only two viewpoints we get are Dargo's who blacked out and he can't remember, but he's kind of making this connection that I probably did do this. And Mm -hmm. Macton, who thinks that Dargo is a monster, we never really get the reality of what happened, but the episode definitely comes down on the side of this happened. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. So at the end of that quote, it stops right before Katoya basically shatters his VR self shatters into a thousand pieces. And we come back up on him lying with his bloody on the floor. It's unclear whether he's dead or not, but he's definitely unconscious. And Macdon has now entered the VR with Dargo and subsequently begins to, to torture him with like, let me show you how this murder really happened. And he shows Lon's suicide is what his version mm-hmm. of it is. That Dargo's rages and his beating her drove Lulan to kill herself with a knife in the stomach. And and then they have all these scene changes and it's, uh, you know, Dargo in prison, in chains for the crime with the peacekeepers. And throughout this all, you have Dargo just being really, really upset. And I think that's one thing I like about this episode as well. And even Katoya mentions it right at the beginning of that last quote when he says this is not going to be easy, is that they are acknowledging that the emotional pain mm-hmm. is worse than the physical pain of what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is Dargo's real test. Those those laser lines, that was nothing compared to the pain he's going through right now. Mm-hmm. Compared to the pain of having to rewrite his own history, you know, yeah. and compared to the pain of, of thinking something was one way your whole life and then it turns out it's not. Yeah, and then also just the trauma of seeing his wife's dead body again and witnessing her through Macton's in, um, manipulation of the VR, witnessing her murder herself or commit suicide. You know, it's these are really difficult things to see mm-hmm. and to go through and experience again, especially a wound like this, which has never really healed for Dargo. Yeah, and so he he ends up imprisoned on Moya 
in in his mind. He's back on Moya in chains like he was at, you know, before we met him at the beginning of the series. Although we've seen him that way a couple more times when they, especially in Bug's life when they had to, or yeah, Bug's life, where they had to play along for the peacekeepers. And he's going into hyper rage and losing it. And Macton kind of has this moment of like, ah, I've won. You know, you're going to be trapped in a hyper rage forever knowing what you did. Yeah. And so we get these flashes between him in the VR with his hyper rage and the chains and Dargo outside in the chair saying, whispering, focus to himself, focus. And I like that idea that he's got two thought processes going on at the same time. It's like he's got this internal crying and rage and everything. And it's like that experience where you're really upset about something, but you know you have to calm down. And he's doing this self-calming, basically. And he's able to calm himself down and look at the situation and think through it and break out of those VR chains that he was put in by Macton. Mm-hmm. And there's this now radical shift in in what happens in there. Now Dargo is in control of the simulation. He's got a, he's got control of his hyper rage. This the same kind of control he showed earlier to Katoya where and when Katoya said anything is possible and now anything is possible. And Dargo is able to force Macton to show him what really happened with the death of Lolan. Mm-hmm. And it was not suicide. So mm-hmm. he had come Macton had come to confront Lolan again about Dargo and she tried to attack him and he reacted as a peacekeeper would and stabbed her instead because he was a soldier and she was not. And she she basically died because of that. And then he knew he had to frame Dargo for it or he wanted to frame Dargo for it. And then he beat her postmortem to make it look like Dargo had beaten her and stabbed her. Which is like a funny, another funny hand wavy thing. Cause I'm like, I think you stop bruising after you die. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I think I've seen enough uh, NCIS and CSI. CSI. I actually don't watch CSI, but you know, other cop shows that are like you can tell the difference between a pre and post mortem beating. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, but anyway, hand wave. Maybe maybe sebation physiology is different, or because he's a Luxon and she's a sebation, and we're dealing with the peacekeepers as law enforcement. Maybe they noticed and didn't care. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Or maybe they just assumed he did it post-mortem. I don't know. You know? Yeah. So anyway, we have that moment. And then we have Dargo kind of confronting Macton once the truth is out. And we see that the hunter has become the hunted. Kind of. (laughs) Yeah. You're lying. Every word you've said is a lie. No. You beat her and you killed her. You know the truth. Nothing about love. I know what the lamb went through for our love. I wish I could have loved her half as well. Oh, you loved her to death. You do not have this power. The land told me that I do have power. Over my hyper rage. And it's more than enough to control you in here. You cannot kill me. Not in here. I have no intention of killing you. I loved my wife. But you wouldn't know that. You didn't know the lad. I did. She could have left me for my failings. Maybe she should have. But I know this. 
She would never have left her son without a mother. So, I want you to show me your memories. Tell me why you killed the lamb. Trying to save her from you. Yeah, so actually, sorry, sorry, guys, that quote happened before, but then it it all happens. And I love that moment of she never would have left Jothy without a mother. And I think that that really speaks to what their relationship was. And I think the more I think about it, in order to keep Dargo from being the sort of, you know, to quote him, monster, you Mm -hmm. know, I'm just going to treat it like maybe it was like once, like maybe once. She was like, oh, he's in a hyper rage and she didn't leave the house soon enough, which granted, again, like really uncomfortable. But that's like a lot of human stuff where like human people do not go into hyper rages. They do have control over their actions. And so I think where I'm going here is I'm like, in order to not dislike Dargo for the remainder (laughs) of the series, I'm going to have to just go with I think it was like a one off you know yeah you know the other thing with that is him knowing lolan as a person and knowing who she was when he wasn't in a hyper rage and them having a good marriage i think that's a really good point for him being able to say no i have such confidence now because i've been able to control get control and lolan helped me get control because they were young when they married Mm -hmm. uh, younger than luxon's were supposed to get married so there was that knowledge that he tried for her to be under control. Mm-hmm. And I think that has served him here. And it's also, you know, you think about season one Dargo, who did not have this kind of control over his temper the way season four Dargo does. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he still yells a lot and stuff, but he is, unless they're having mind altering aliens, which does happen, you know, <laughs> once every couple a couple months on Boya. You know, he does actually have pretty good control of himself, and that's been part of his growth as a character throughout throughout the series itself, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. And at the end here, he wants to leave Macton in his memory of killing Lolan. Mm-hmm. And that's where we end with Dargo, Dargo leaving him, and you have the, you go back from the from his house to the arena where you see Macton pantomiming, killing Lolan over and over, beating her. Not killing her, but beating her after she he killed her by accident. Mm-hmm. Kind of by accident. I mean, like, Aaron would never kill somebody, air quotes, <sighs> accidentally, you know? Right. But I, I don't, I think it was less of a, of a, of a premeditated mm-hmm. murder and more of a crime of passion where his emotions and his reflexes and all of his training and his anger at her in that moment is what actually drove the knife in. Yeah, that's true. I'll give you that. So the episode ends, ends with everybody back on Lola. John is rubbing a healing gel on his hands because... Which are burned. Yeah, which are, like we said, completely destroyed after he reached into burning hot coals. And this was apparently not like lava's a many splendored thing. (laughs) They didn't have a shield with them. (laughs) Okay, I'm still saying that the lava in lava was like very cold lava. (laughs) It probably was because they were standing very close to it. You know, I've been next to a bonfire. Bonfires are really, really hot. Oh, man. In order to be a temperature that melts rock, it's a lot harder than the temperature to burn wood. I'm just saying. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to put this out there. There's... And you'll have to tech... You'll have to message us if you can figure out what college I went to based on this. 
but my college has a giant pine tree bonfire every year because our rivals there <laughs> because our rivals their mascot is a pine tree and so for the freshman you have a giant pine tree bonfire every year and you literally have to sit like three or four four rows back in this like football stadium from this bonfire because that's how hot bonfires mm-hmm. are and I'm like yeah. lava it's like you have to be like <laughs> a lot further back than three or four rows <laughs> yeah yeah okay uh um, anyway I mean I guess some Hawaii lava is not but Point being, it should be hot. They should have been hotter than they were. <laughs> now that talk about mind training for being withstanding heat, right? Oh, yeah. So they're back on Lola, and Dargo's kind of trying to trying to wrestle with what he did. And Scorpius informs them that Screeth, the alien from Terra Firma, was probably controlled by Greza. So now Greza knows where Earth is. Mm-hmm. But he reassures John that. <laughs> Graza probably isn't interested in Earth. She's only interested in John. So Right. And Katoya was the one who got the information for Scorpius as a favor. That's how he became how how he came into that knowledge. And war terms of wardrobe watch, we have everybody in these blue kind of geese. You know, mm-hmm. they're just kind of this blue training uniform that all the participants wore, except for Scorpius. And I was wondering, why did Scorpius have to wear the gi over his schooling suit? Because Scorpius has already gone through this. <laughs> Scorpius is already... Scorpius is no longer a novice. Scorpius is now, like, <laughs> okay. a journeyman. <laughs> okay. Jer- journeyman mind resistant melder thing. But yeah, so that's the episode. I want to say one thing about the beginning of the episode mm-hmm. that we completely skipped over, and that's we open on John and Aaron sitting cuddled up in Pilot's Den, the way they have been seen before, with John leaning against it and Aaron in his arms. And they are right before everybody's leaving, so everyone else is boarding, asking where they're, they are, and they're having a little Christmas gift exchange going on, and Aaron has given John a TV remote control, because mm-hmm. she got him a TV. Yeah, it's very sweet, and I think they both must have their comms off, or at least away from them, because they aren't concerned mm-hmm. about anybody listening in, and Pilot's the one that keeps informing <laughs> them of, he's like, Dargo wants to know where you are, and he's like, now Chiana wants to know where you are. <laughs> yeah, so... so- pilots being their their secret keeper and their secretary at the same time the other thing i want to mention about that is that next week we have bringing home the beacon and that one will be co-hosting with friend of the podcast esther lisk Carew, which we're really excited about so join us yeah. next week we're gonna have three people on the show yeah it'll be exciting we've never done that before so it's just kind of fun yeah so what would you give this episode um for me I think that now that I've talked through my discomfort and now that I'm just choosing to headcanon it differently, which I know is like a little bit problematic, even in my headcanon, still problematic. But at the same time, I'm like, I just can't. I just can't. I I don't know. For me, it's like a 3.5, you know, 3, 3.5, somewhere around there. Yeah, I would give it a 3. My memory of this episode was that everyone hated it and it was terrible, but actually... Watching it this time, I thought it was fairly solid. Mm-hmm. I really liked the Dargo storyline, despite how uncomfortable it made me. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought it showed a good character arc for him through the episode. And I always, I'm a sucker for Dargo stories. Yeah. And this has been the first real Dargo story we've had since like season two, I think. Well, no, yeah. I guess the Jothy stuff, but that was kind of. That mixed was late in. season two, early season three. Yeah. But yeah, it's like I'm trying to think. I, th- I honestly think the last, like, Dargo Dargo one was the one with the old Luxon woman. 
Mm-hmm. Vetus Mortis. Vetus Mortis. Yeah, which everyone else hated too, and I liked. <laughs> You're just a sucker <laughs> There's a for theme Dargo. Here. I know. I love Dargo so much. Yeah, most of his stuff in season three was John related, and it was very much about his and John's relationship. Yeah. And so, I don't know, let us know, let us know what you thought. Did you hate it? Did you love it? Were you able to kind of headcanon away the major problems with, (laughs) that we had with this? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then you have to ask yourself too about, you know, the role of fiction in talking about some of these really hard topics, Mm -hmm. like domestic violence and what is a good excuse quote unquote not really excuse but you know what is acceptable what is not acceptable i don't know sometimes through science fiction or fiction in general you can talk about things in a way that makes it easier to talk about in real life yeah i don't know if that's what they're going for but it's something to think about anyway star trek does this a lot yeah star trek does this a lot star trek is really good at it though and i think that this was just I just wish he'd been doing something else in his hyper rage. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think because spousal abuse is like such a it 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 has to be such a hard line issue. And I think whenever fiction tries to complicate it in any way, I'm like, I, I think the only exception might be the one that you were giving of PTSD. You know, mm-hmm. when you know when somebody was one way. But then, you know, they come back from a situation a different way. And then and then there is kind of some gray area of do you stay with somebody if they hurt you, if they're also get seeking treatment, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's and I don't know, I I guess that for me, I'm just like, I just wish they hadn't done it. I just wish that they had not done this to his character because I feel like it makes me really uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. And it gets back at that whole we like Dargo, so we want to excuse his behavior, Mm -hmm. but we really shouldn't. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's our cheerful episode for the week. (laughs) We are Farscape Friday podcast at Tumblr.com and DreamWith.com and Gmail.com. So tell us what you thought there. We are also at Farscape Friday on Twitter. Yeah, see you there. All right, see you guys next week. Bye-bye.